Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Druids Grove. Today's episode is going to be about animism. So the term animism comes from the Latin term anima, or anima, A-N-I-M-A, meaning life. And if you are a fan of the band Tool, uh, you probably know the song Anima, and you can look that up if you want to. There are many different perspectives on animism and different approaches on how to apply it uh, to practice in daily life or in ceremony. There are also many different cultures that practice animistic principles as well. Um, I'm going to read a, a little blip from the Druid Network. They talk about animism. They say the term animism was coined as a term in 1708 by George Stahl as animismus, meaning that souls were vital to life and disease had spiritual causes. In 1869, Edward Taylor, an early anthropologist when reading Stahl's theory, coined the word animism to denote, as he viewed them, unsophisticated, nature-based tribal religions. Unsurprisingly, the term was dropped from the anthropological lexicon in the early 20th century as a patronizing colonial slur. It wasn't until the 1990s that the term was reinstated when Nurit Bird David argued that animism as a label was now self-determined to denote native belief systems, and Tim Ingold's extensive research revealed that countless communities throughout the world see themselves as religiously animist, giving the reasoning that they and their beliefs are not separate from the environments in which they live. In the early 2000s, it came to mean that souls and spirits inhabit natural phenomena. For instance, in a woodland, everything there has its own life force, or life energy, or soul, or spirit. Another approach might be to see this as the Awen expressing itself, or the universe expressing itself. And, and I'm sorry, I didn't clarify. We're done um, with that quote. Um, the last little paragraph there is not from the Druid Network. I was just talking contextually and societally. You know, in the early 2000s, it, it came to shift in its belief. It started to mean um, many pagan practices started to take it on as a belief that everything has its own soul or spirit or life force. So they kind of re reclaimed that that term as it was used in the past, but not in a derogatory sense. Um, all Druids, um, regardless of which pathway or, or organization you follow, all Druids are, are generally considered to be animists, but not all animists are Druids. So there are many cultures around the world that have this uh, percep perception and worldview of animism. So when we look at animism as you know, a definition or what it may look like, um, all things in existence have an animistic principle or a life force. So if we look at rocks or trees or animals, plants, or a beach or the ocean or the sky, the, the whole planet, the universe, or even words and sounds through bardic expression uh, or the expression, uh, creative expression of the bard have their own spirit. 
And depending upon your locality and where you live, um, animism looks very different. So each, each one, each person has their own type of animistic perception of their environment based on their locality. If you move from one location to another location, it is, it is difficult to continue to hold the same view of the animistic connection to your previous location because you are in a different place with different spirits. You are, you are interacting with different forms that are expressing themselves and different entities. The concept of animism is something that you can take with you wherever you go. It's an approach to the environment around you. However, the, the interactions that you have with the animistic spiritual entities around you will feel different. And this kind of leads to the principle of, of you know, ecological conservatism and um, conservation about the environment that so many druids are passionate about. And because they, they feel that, you know, everything around them is alive. It has its own spirit. And so many people express this, or many druids practice this through um, trash cleanup or picking up debris, maintaining, you know, natural habitats, or, or protesting about ecological problems, or some become vegan or vegetarian, or if they may eat meat, they make sure that it's ethically sourced. And this is another topic that I'm, I'm going to talk about later, um, but on the, on the aspect of the food that we consume, some people are vegan or vegetarian, and, but I myself, um, I'm a, I am a carnivore. I eat primarily meat. Um, I have a lot of allergies to vegetables, fruits, grains, um, a lot of a lot of different foods. But meat and animal products don't bother my immune system. And so, a few years ago, I changed to this way of eating, and my my physical and mental health have gotten significantly better. And other people ask, they say, "Oh, you're a druid. You're supposed to be a vegetarian or a vegan." But the way I look at it, the the amount of meat that I eat in a year maybe one or two large animals and these animals were raised for that purpose however if you're a vegetarian or a vegan you typically will live off of large-scale agriculture you're eating a variety of vegetables a variety of foods where pesticides are are killing multiple bugs and other animals and the harvesting with large machines and large-scale agriculture monocropping uh, kills millions of small animals per year just to get these vegetables and fruits so in the grand scheme of things, the, my perception of it is that I'm harming less animals by eating this way. But that's, that's just me, so many people can take on their own perception of that and their own approach to that. And that, the reason I talk about all that is because it does tie into animism. If For me, I want to limit the amount of negative impact I have on other living beings. And so for me, if I'm eating only one or two animals worth that eat in a field and are harvested and grown for that specific purpose, to me that's less harmful than eating a variety of fruits and vegetables with all of these insects and other animals that get killed in the process of raising these big, you know, big farms. So that's just how I approach it. So many Druids also take up practices to protect their local environment because to them it is alive. You know, when a new subdivision is putting in and they clear the land and they're cutting down and bulldozing all the trees and then they just burn all the trees in a, a big pile, this is, this is horrible. It's, it's, um, it's, it's really sad to see. You know, these trees have been there for who knows how long and we just treat it like it's trash that needs to be cleared to make way for our, 
our buildings and it's just it's horrible so you know maybe you've never thought about that i don't i don't know um but you know these trees were growing for hundreds of years um they provide shade and food for and shelter for so, so many different animals um they're taking the carbon dioxide out of the air they're putting out oxygen for all the living animals around in that area you know but again we treat these trees and these plants like pests and we just swat them out of the way it's just like uh, get out of here we need to do our human thing and it's, it's another aspect of that egoism that humans think that we are in charge of everything around us when we're actually not so animism looks at things also cyclically very much like the wheel of the year the earth is in its own cycle it's rotating on its axis circling the sun you know and this causes the seasons but it also has an ongoing change through geology and tectonic plates though you know this is over millions of years um, and there's also active volcanoes and earthquakes when you look at it the earth is alive the earth itself is its own animistic being it has its own life and soul and and growth and decay and movement it's it's alive then we can look at plants and trees and animals and many of them are cyclical as well from birth to growth to maturity and death either you know over the full life of a tree or over the course of a year we have the leaves that that come out and the fruit of the tree and then they drop their seeds and then they regenerate and become a new tree and they're giving birth so all all of these trees and plants and are alive as well there's a lot of research out there that shows that plants and trees respond and react to different stimuli. If harsh music is played to plants, the plants will withdraw and shrink and wither. If soothing music is played, they, they expand and they grow better. Plants and trees conduct electricity. They have, you know, they've measured the electrical impulses traveling through them and, and their electrical impulses vary depending on the stimulus to them. When a plant or a tree is injured, it responds electrically, chemically, physically, just, just like a human would. Our communities that we live in are also animistic and alive. Think of your friendship group. We adapt, we grow, or we shrink based on emotion and the energy of the group that we're in. You know, we've all been around negative people or positive people, and we feel that energy coming off of an individual person or a group as well. We are individual animals, but groups are group. A group of people is also considered animistic. It has its own, its own entity and being and kind of soul of that group. So if we go back to nature, when we interact with other organisms, there's an energy exchange happening. We talked about it before, you know, about our limited senses that we can only, you know, we say we only have five senses, but up to 15 different senses have been speculated to exist within a human being. We just don't have access to them. We don't understand them or develop them. So I would invite you to try sitting under a tree with your back to it. Try to feel the energy exchange between your body and the tree. Visualize it. Feel it. it. It really is there. You just have to learn how to be open to it. And one practice in some forms of druidry is to approach a tree uh, that you get a good feeling about. If you if you look at a tree and you you, you don't feel anything negative, you feel good about it, start maybe 20 or 30 feet away and just walk slowly in a circle around the tree and, and try to visualize an energy field around the tree and slowly move inward until you feel that energy then start to move outward again while still walking in a circle until you kind of feel the energy dissipate and then move back in until you feel that energy again and keep moving inward 
to see if it gets stronger as you get closer, you, you'll be able to feel it and you'll realize that, that trees truly are alive. So I'm going to talk about something from the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids website. It's Everyone has access to it that you can go search and look up. <clears throat> so there's a lot of Buddhist influences in Druidry, and um, someone that comes up a lot is the Vietnamese Zen, Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. He's also one of my favorite um, writers as well. So Thich Nhat Hanh says, There is no absolute dividing line between the living matter and inert matter. If we took the so-called inanimate elements out of you and me, we would not be able to be alive. We are made of non-human elements. This is what is taught in the Diamond Sutra, an ancient Buddhist text that could be considered the world's first treatise on deep ecology. We cannot draw a hard distinction between human beings and other living beings, or between living beings and inert matter. There is vitality in everything. The entire cosmos is radiant with vitality. If we see the earth as a block of matter lying outside of us, then we have not yet truly seen the earth. The earth is also alive. So that's the end of that quote. And then they go on to talk about in the 13th century Japan, uh, Zen master, I'm not going to say this correctly, Ihai Dojin, he had taught that enlightenment is just intimacy with all things. Elsewhere in his own text, Thich Nhat Hanh says, Just as a wave doesn't need to go looking for water, we don't need to go looking for the ultimate. The wave is the water. You already are what you want to become. You are made of the sun, moon, and stars. You have everything inside of you. Thich Nhat Hanh explains that a flower is made only of non-flower elements. We can say that the flower is empty of separate self-existence, but that doesn't mean that the flower is not there. When you perceive reality in this way, you will not discriminate against the garbage in favor of the rose. So that's a couple of interesting quotes about animism, or, you know, they can be adapted to have animistic uh, principles to them. So we also give animistic properties to all kinds of things without thinking about it. Many people give their car a name or a gender or a favorite sporting item like a golf club, a baseball bat, um, a baseball glove, a clothing item. Um, we see many things as having a spirit or a soul or being alive or having their own entity, but we never considered it to be animistic. We just give them a name or a gender and interact with them as if they're, they are their own being. And when we look at it, when we consider ourselves as alive and separate from the world and the things around us, um, we gain this inaccurate sense of control or a type of ownership over the things around us. It's that egoistic or egotistical view I was talking about. You know, I have no more of a right to be here than a rock or a tree or the dirt that I'm walking on. Everything is made of the same constituent elements, just organized in a different arrangement and, and living things different anatomical arrangements. There's different atoms organized into different molecules, into different shapes. So if anything, the rock or the tree or the dirt that has been here much longer than I am have, sorry, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just a passerby in their world. I, I'm just a flicker of, of, of light in this brief existence. They've been here much longer than me. 
So why do Druids take on this animistic view? Why do we look at things from an animistic perspective? Well, for me and for other Druids, it gives us this sense of belonging, of living in an interdependent relationship with the the environment around us and with the world at, at whole, as a whole. It helps us to see that we are truly, really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. We are not all that important that we think we are, um, but we can make a difference in the world around us, however. We can do things to make them better or worse, depending on how we view ourselves within the environment. You know, as, as Thich Nhat Hanh said, I am the wave, the ocean, and a drop of water all at the same time. I and the tree are the same. I and the rock are the same. You and I are the same. We are all the same. We just have different experiences, which makes us think we are separate. So if I see myself in you, and I see myself in the rock, and the tree, and the deer, I can call you friend, I can call you family, brother, sister, mother, father, or even, you know, I can call you me, because we are all the same thing. We are, we are the universe expressing itself. We are interdependent because we are all one and the same. We're all alive, we just express it differently. We all have this spirit of life and the spirit of Awen and a soul or a life force inside of us. And this is the principle of reincarnation and rebirth that many Druids follow. You know, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only change form. So that's kind of the background of that. So when I die, my energy will move elsewhere. Maybe I'll become a tree or a rock or a deer or your child. We don't know. But if we take on this animistic worldview, we see all things as alive. We develop a relationship of respect and trust and goodwill and altruism and love in all that we do. And the more that we can be in touch with this approach to life, the more at peace we can be. And we can be a better steward of this life that we've been given. We can be a better friend. You know, we can be a better a better caretaker for the environment around us. We can see things in a different light and approach things much differently than if we approach them from that egotistical, humanistic worldview that we are in charge and we own everything and we can control everything the way we want to get the benefit that we want. So taking on this animistic worldview and this seeing the world and everything in it as alive, we can have a much deeper respect and relationship for everything around us. So I hope this episode has been helpful, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I didn't mean to offend anyone if I did, just sharing some background and my perspective. And thank you for listening. Old tree. Stoic, strong, stable. Thank you for tolerating us. Ancient Gracious One. Change. The path is unclear, one foot in front of the other. All will be revealed. Love. Unconditional, acceptance beyond measure, reciprocal peace. Thank you so much for joining in at the Druids Grove. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. 
If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me a Coffee. Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.